This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. This is Kairi Sar Izap. She works for the Estonian government. I work at the Department of Strategic Communications. Her team's job is fighting disinformation. What we are trying to do is literally raise the resilience of the society, to inform the society that there is such a thing as information manipulation, that there is a neighbor that does it regularly. And we want people to be aware that there is such a danger and that anyone can be manipulated or anyone can stumble across information that has been manipulated. This might just be the perfect blueprint for the U.S. that's looking to do the same thing. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. The disastrous launch of the U.S. government's Disinformation Governance Board has left many wondering what went wrong and why, especially considering that a very well-recognized and successful anti-disinformation campaign operation has been run by a U.S. ally for 15 years. The ally is Estonia, which was one of the first to stand up such a project after it was attacked by Russia in 2007. Kairi Sar Isab is a strategic communications advisor in the Estonian government office. I spoke recently with her at the Leonard Mary conference in Tallinn to learn how their program works. Tell me what this outfit is about. What is the name of it and what is its mission? I work at the Department of Strategic Communications. We have uh, three work strands. Uh, uh, The first one is situational awareness. So we do public opinion polls as well as we monitor media. We monitor Estonian uh, traditional and social media. We monitor Russian media. Uh, We monitor also the media of our key allies, which is the US, the UK, the France and Germany. But our main task actually is raising the resilience of Estonian society to information attacks and to information warfare. So right now, there is a lot of work we are doing and we have also received extra resources since the start of the war in Ukraine. So that is the bulk of our work. Our third work strand is preparing a communication system for um, crises and uh, crises and risks. Protecting the country from foreign influence is at the top of the list of things that you do. So give me an idea of what a typical day is like for you and your team. Uh, usually our day starts with uh, getting an overview of what is going on. 
Have we get an overview what has been written in the press? Uh, we are especially concerned with security issues or uh, items that could influence security. So we do get a regular overview. We also get an overview of events in Ukraine, obviously, at this moment. So what is this other overview about? It depends on whatever is going in the world. So it used to be about COVID. Right now it's about Ukraine. And then we start working. Mm -hmm. We... Uh, Our work is actually surprisingly routine because usually people think that every day we wake up and then we start reacting to whatever is going on. But uh, actually, it's not like that. Uh, we run long-term projects mainly. So uh, we run media literacy projects, for example. Um, for example, when this uh, war in Ukraine started, uh, we uh, did a new media, li media literacy project where we explained how this information works. So we produced a series of videos, each video explaining how a different disinformation technique works and how can it be effective so people would be aware they could analyze the news they get and then hopefully realize when they are being tried to, to be influenced. Mm. So uh, what we also do is... Um, We coordinate the communication between Estonian different government institutions and ministries, especially in the questions that that can be difficult or can be sensitive or can be understood differently between different parts of our society. Um, we do public opinion polls, as I said, and so we do the public opinion polls to measure sort of the temperature of the society and see what more specifically we have to focus on and also to see if our efforts uh, have been successful, if what we have done in the communication really has achieved the results that we want. Mm -hmm. uh, once per week, uh, the head of our department also briefs the Estonian government. She explains what is going on in the society. She tells what our public opinion polls uh, shows. She tells what is uh, what have we observed from the media. She also briefs about the activities that we have, and this is uh, so that the government members would be aware of the situation and also so that they could fine tune the interviews they give, both internally and externally, and then reinforce the messages that are necessary at, the po at that point or perhaps uh, start conveying a new message when we see that mm -hmm. the society needs it, uh, needs something, needs to, something to be explained and so on. Give me an example of a success or something that you recognize was a success. What, uh, what can you share in terms of a particular event or a particular challenge? Uh, recently, there was the 9th of May. As you know, this is uh, the date when uh, Russian Federation celebrates the end of the, the Second World War or the Great Patriotic War, as it's called in, in Russia and was called in the Soviet Union. And we were very well aware that this is a very sensitive date and the date that is so differently understood within the Estonian society. The uh, Russian language population of Estonia mainly sees it as a victory day. This is when the war ended. This is that brought peace. For the Estonian language population, it does not mean the same thing. For the Estonian language population, it means the start of the Soviet occupation. Yes, the war was over, but 50 years of Soviet occupation was still ahead. 
So the Estonians either don't celebrate it at all or celebrate it as Europe Day because the 9th of May is also Europe Day. And Europe Day is something that is not really understood by the Russian-speaking population, uh, but is understood uh, by the Estonian-speaking population for, for whom it means peace and integration and prosperity. So we put a lot of communications efforts into explaining what this date, what this date means, what it means for the both parts of the society, why some people see it as a victory day, why some see it as a Europe day, and why it is a, has become especially controversial considering the war in Ukraine. And Russia has started reusing some of the symbols that were used in the Second World War also in the war in Ukraine, and has introduced some new symbols, like the Z sign, for example. And symbols can be problematic if they are displayed in a not a very peaceful manner. So we also explained what these symbols mean for both parts of the society, Estonian parliament even passed a law saying that you can't uh, display symbols in an offensive way. But we also wanted to say very much to stress that we are not prohibiting any celebrations. Anyone can commemorate whoever died in the Second World War, but it has to be done uh, respectfully. It has to be done peacefully. It has to be done so that nobody is offended, especially considering the present-day context and the war in Ukraine. Right now, it being the 14th of May, we can say that we were successful. The 9th of May passed quietly, respectfully. There were no conflicts. And we also have not heard that anyone complaining that they couldn't mourn their dead or they couldn't pay respect to they lost during the war. So this is definitely a success story. Um, there are a lot of things that take place on a daily basis that might be problematic from an information or disinformation point of view. How do you choose what it is that you must focus on or that you should focus on? Um, is there a process or is it just you look at something and say, oh, yeah, well, we have to deal with that uh, because it's just clearly wrong or problematic or is there a system? Usually we do not focus on specific narratives. What we are trying to do is literally raise the resilience of the society, to inform the society that there is such a thing as inf information manipulation, that there is a neighbor that does it regularly. And we want people to be aware that there is such a danger and that anyone can be manipulated or anyone can stumble across information that has been manipulated or that has the aim of pushing people into seeing or believing something that is not necessarily true or how most of the people see the world. So we don't quite believe in uh, just working with individual narratives because usually the... Um, Disrupting narratives are rather sensitive, and then you get into debate, and it is very hard to debate with, with certain things, especially if people firmly believe one or the other. 
So if you take the ongoing war, for example, if someone is firmly in the Russian information sphere, they do believe that what is going on is special operation. And you can just argue and argue, and since all that they see, it, this argument doesn't lead to anything. So what we are trying to do is to present to these people um, alternative information sources so that they would realize that uh, this information provided by the Russian Federation is not the only information out there, so that they would uh, uh, become uh, used to comparing information, comparing information sources, analyze what they are seeing and hearing, and then draw their own conclusions and to be aware that there is a lot of information out there. And we think that in the long run, it's it's more successful because obviously we can't fight with every single information campaign that our neighbor or any other country does or any, any narrative that they push out. Sometimes they spread very quickly. So people themselves have to have the tools to understand what is going on and to understand uh, why you need to be aware. And actually, I think that in a sense... Uh, coming from the Soviet Union helps us because a lot of people still remember how the Soviet Union and uh, worked and how its information sphere worked. Like I do remember that when I grew up uh, in the Soviet Union, people in Estonia habitually watched Estonian news, watched Moscow news, watched Finnish news, and then they also listened to Radio Free Europe. And then they put together whatever was going on in the world and said that, well, we think that this is actually going on. So you took in information sources from uh, four different languages, for four, four different channels, and you based on worldview on that. Right now, um, unfortunately, 30 years on, we can say that people do not regularly check so many news sources, but we have to remind them that you need to do that. You just can't base everything on one single news source. And this is also one of the uh, strands of work that we do is to try to provide as many Russian language news sources as possible in Estonia so that people wouldn't have to rely for the news on Russian Federation only. There is ATV Plus, which is Estonian Public Broadcasting's uh, Russian language TV channel. It did receive uh, some extra fundings now that the war in Ukraine started so that they could diversify their program and also strengthen the news part. Uh, we do have uh, Russian language written media. Uh, so also the Russian language newspapers did receive some extra funding since the war started so that they could uh, uh, also uh, diversify their uh, their sources and diversify also what they are doing. So I know that some of the the newspapers are right now planning on running this video clips and then video news that is very popular these days. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we um, did prohibit the broadcasting of uh, Russian propaganda channels, then uh, we worked to to get uh, Euronews in Russian and France Van Katra in Russian onto Estonian Estonian cable channels mm -hmm. so that people would have the choice. Some channels went out, but new ones came in. So just so that people wouldn't have to rely on just one channel. What can you tell me about how people have reacted to 
the change that you just mentioned, because some of the I remember being here before and seeing some Russian channels and information on the cable system. How did people how have people reacted since the changes have been made? These were clearly, as you deem necessary changes, but sometimes people don't understand it at that level. So how have people responded? Well, people's media habits, it takes a long time for them to really change. So we are right now still observing and still analyzing uh, how has it really worked. We do know that for the uh, younger Russian language population that used before to watch Russian channels and then Estonian Russian channels and perhaps also some Western media, they have definitely turned towards Estonian and Western media. They have nearly dropped watching Russian channels altogether and don't miss that news fair anymore. Uh, for the elderly, it's, it's more difficult. And it's also more difficult because they didn't watch Russian TV, not just for the news, but also for the entertainment. So we have to work on providing them with good Russian language entertainment that they, they could watch. Mm -hmm. And they do miss uh, dearly seeing uh, Russian television, their favorite shows and so on. And we... We are aware that quite a lot of few of them um, are still watching them, though you can't see it now on the cable network. They are still available on Internet. You can still watch it for satellite. So some of them are still watching those. And how do you know this? Because of uh, interviews, because of polls, or do you have a way of monitoring this? We do regular public opinion polls, and this is one of the questions that we ask. This is uh, how I know it. Uh, right now, we don't exactly know which technical equipment they are using to watch uh, these channels still, but we do know that the interest is there, and since the opportunity is also there, then they do watch it, and public opinion polls show it. Okay. Um, how big is your team, and where is your team located? We are located at the Prime Minister's office, and we are about 10, slightly about 10. And we are located at the Prime Minister's office because the fight uh, with disinformation is an overarching issue. It's not a foreign policy, it's not an internal policy issue, it's uh, something that all parts of the government have to deal with. And actually, we do see that uh, fighting with information manipulation is something that uh, the society as a whole needs to do. So government needs to do their part, but also journalism journalism is very important because they help to raise awareness of the problem they help to write about examples uh, they help to show how people actually have fallen into this information trap and then what happened we have the student security services that um, annually publish their yearbooks where they very explicitly write about what is going on in the inform Estonian information sphere, how it is being manipulated, or at least how it is, how there are attempts to manipulate the information sphere, what are the main techniques, uh, what they have observed. Um, and then there is also the NGO sector. One very good example of the NGO sector is, uh, is Propastop, a web page that regularly publishes information about uh, what is going on in the information sphere and also exposes the attempts to, to influence the Estonian audiences, both Estonian-speaking and Russian-speaking. And there is the academia, of course, that educates the journalists, the future government officials that runs training courses, and the people 
who have to be aware of the problems. Uh, this is not that we are doing it alone. We are literally raising the resilience of the society as a whole and seeing as a whole ecosystem that we have to work with and that we have to that we have to sort of help to do their job. Only that the, our society can be resilient. How long have you been in the government? And um, how would you compare this work that you're doing now to what you've done in the past? And um, perhaps maybe take a look at... Um, how this unit, which I think was started in the mid 2000s, mm-hmm. compares to what you've done before? Well, my roots are in the foreign service. I started in the uh, Estonian Ministry of Foreign Affairs in 1997. So, compared to what I have been doing before, my work right now is definitely more oriented towards literally the Estonian society than my work at the foreign office was, which was then foreign relations oriented very much. Uh, Also, the situation, um, the very interesting part of this work right now is to see how you respond with long-term projects to, to ongoing challenges so that you have to foresee and to project what could be going on and then prepare your reactions. For example, for the 9th of May that I spoke about, we started preparing for it literally since the war in Ukraine started. If the war in Ukraine wouldn't have started, then we still would have prepared, but in a different way, because then we wouldn't have had to stress so much the importance of symbols and the importance of of being respectful uh, to all parties we still would have done communication stressing why it is a controversial date and why it has different meanings for different parts of the society. But since the war in Ukraine started, we, we had to intensify our efforts and, uh, and really work on how to put it into this year's context. So that's I think, is a very interesting part of it. So this question, obviously, uh, is one that The answer is going to be predictable, but I need to ask you the question anyway. How do you like this work? It's very interesting, sometimes slightly depressing, because you always work with someone trying to manipulate with you, someone trying to push false narratives. Um, Also, uh, you have to be aware of what is going on in the information world as such. So we also have to be very much aware of the alternative reality that Russia is talking about. So sometimes you think that maybe it would be easier to live in your own Western information bubble, but you can't do it with this job. So it's very interesting, very challenging. You, you, You really get to see a lot of information, a lot of information narratives, a lot of techniques that are being used. So I think it's it's a very interesting job. Are there any final thoughts that you'd like to add that I haven't asked you about that you think are important? 
since I'm talking to a U.S. channel, I would also like to stress that fighting disinformation is a joint international challenge. It's not also something that Estonia can do alone. We all are in it together. Information manipulation does, no state, does not know state borders. It's as real for you as it is real for us. So we are closely working with the U.S. government and we have to do it jointly all together with the whole Western world. Otherwise, we will not be successful. One follow-up. How do you work with the U.S. government? What's the connection and with whom are you connected? We are uh, mainly working with the State Department. Uh, we are running uh, some joint programs in Estonia. So when we do our resilience building programs, then we also use uh, U.S. know-how, uh, sometimes also U.S. resources. Uh, we uh, we also work very closely in the sense that uh, we exchange information. So we explain what we see in, uh, going on in Estonia, what, what we see in the information manipulation sphere, because obviously being so much closer to Russia and having a quite significant uh, Russian minority, then we do see events and uh, techniques being tried here that, that we can share with our partners. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kairi. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and good luck with what you're doing and whatever comes next. Thank you very much. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode, her name, Sofia Fedina. Member of Ukrainian parliament. She's also the voice of Lviv Euromaidan, and she's a volunteer for Ukraine's military. And when the invasion started... Uh, on the beginning of March 2014, one of uh, military regiments located in Lviv asked for my help. And I said, uh, they gave me a long list of everything. And I said that I do not have money to buy that. But they said, you're a voice of Lviv, you're a Maidan, just ask people and people will hear you. So that's my work started. And she's continuing her work today, carrying a very important message for the people of Ukraine. Putin was very successful in making all Ukrainians to hate him from the bottom of our hearts. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please... Subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey, Cobra Kai fans, come hear what Peyton Liss has to say on Kicking It With The Coves this week. Peyton plays one of my favorite characters, Tori Nichols. Our stunt coordinators came up with a sort of training background for each character. Mm, That's interesting. uh, Tori had done a little kickboxing before, so that kind of came in when I first tried to take on Miguel and why I was cocky enough to think that, you know, I could come in here and I could just make an entrance. Listen to Kicking It With The Coves now at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast One, and wherever you can sweep your leg and get the podcasts. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.